0: to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The testimonials appearing in this podcast reflect individual experiences and individual results may vary. Cardinal Health does not claim nor should the listener assume that any individual experience recounted in this podcast is representative of what another consumer may experience. The Cardinal Health Counter Talk Podcast in collaboration with Pharmacy Podcast Network is for independent pharmacists to learn about the state of the industry, innovative services and solutions, and the future of pharmacy. Join me, your host, Jason Calori, for conversations with pharmacists, cardinal health leaders, and industry experts, sharing best practices, discussing industry trends, and showcasing cardinal health products and services. You can subscribe to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello everyone and Welcome back to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast. I am your host, Jason Kalori, and today we are live here at RBC 2023 in Boston, Massachusetts. Now, we are in the middle of the North lobby within registration with some very, very special guests. A lot of talk here this week at RBC 2023 about Cardinal Health investing in our supply chain operations, providing solutions to help our independent pharmacy customers thrive well into the future after RBC and beyond. Uh, preparing for DSCSA in November and, of course, advocating on your behalf and fostering relationships at the federal and state level to amplify your voice. Today, I'm honored and privileged to be sitting down with two passionate advocates working to amplify that voice. First is United States Representative Buddy Carter, representative for Georgia's 1st District. Representative Carter is a pharmacist and former owner of Carter's Pharmacy, Inc. in Pooler, Georgia, with more than 30 years of pharmacy experience. He is dedicated to working on behalf of pharmacies to expand their role and increase their interactions with patients. He has sponsored numerous pharmacy-related bills, legislation that would extend the expansion of pharmacy services made possible by the PREP Act. With him is a familiar face to RBC, Doug Hoy, CEO of NCPA, a licensed pharmacist in Oklahoma, Virginia, and Texas, and practiced in a variety of community pharmacy settings, including his own family's pharmacy before coming to NCPA. Doug was NCPA's first COO and was named CEO in 2011, and has always been a pillar of advocacy and knowledge for independent pharmacies everywhere. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Great Thank to be here. Having- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what do you guys are thinking? What are you think about RBC so far?
1: Well, I, I, I'm certainly impressed, I tell you. And, and what a great city to have it in. Boston has been so impressive. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the convention center, but everything that's going on around here and uh, er- the program has been great. So.
0: And, and Doug, you're quite a veteran of RBC. What do you think about uh, 2023? Yeah, no, I appreciate the energy that you can just
2: feel. And there's an optimism in community pharmacy now, which mm-hmm. hasn't always, always been there. There's been for some good reasons, but uh, there's a lot of energy. And what I love is just the impromptu conversations I have with the Cardinal customers, many of them NCPA members, mm-hmm. just sharing what's going on. And, you know, it's challenges, but there's always something that's inspiring them. There's always something that's leading them to, to take care of, of their patients. And, and that's, it, it just kind of fills your, your sails
0: um, and, <laughs> and, and gets you, you know, jazzed up. So it's, it's been a great meeting. And, you know, Congressman, you being a pharmacy yourself, pharmacist, and owning a pharmacy, you see all these pharmacists come together from all across the country and... The the thing I love seeing is how everybody from all across the country comes together, and they could be one from be from California, one from Florida, but they always make that connection back when they get here, which is you know kind of the community within the community, if you will. Uh, Congressman, I get back to you. Um, the 118th Congress marks your fifth term in House. What's been the biggest surprise during your tenure over the last eight years?
1: Well. That's a good question and one that I'm often asked, and um, I I respond by saying that um, the most surprising thing is also the most encouraging thing, I think, and that is that there are a lot of good people in Congress. Uh, You know, I know that the media portrays it to be something different, that we're all just hyper-partisan and Mm -hmm. and, and nobody gets along, but nothing could be further from the truth. I've got good friends here on the other side of the aisle. and. they there really are some good people up there who really want to move our country forward who want to do the right thing particularly when it comes to health care and i often use the example um we all want the same thing in healthcare, care whether you're a republican and democrat or independent you want accessibility affordability and quality health care now we may have different ways that we think that we should go about that but our ultimate goal is the same and and again that's accessibility, affordability, and and quality. And certainly when you talk about accessibility, that's uh, where pharmacy comes in because Mm -hmm. 95% of all Americans live within five miles of a pharmacy, Uh, the most accessible healthcare professionals in America. So pharmacists and pharmacies are um, an integral part of delivering on accessibility here in American healthcare.
0: Yeah, that's what I always like to reiterate to everyone, that pharmacists are you know, they're they're the front line and the most accessible, you know, point of healthcare in any community. And I absolutely love that. Uh, Now, both of you have been a longtime champion of increasing patients' access to pharmacist services. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about HR 1770, essentially the provider status bill a little bit, the Equitable Community Access to Pharmacist Services Act. The full name was introduced in March and would allow pharmacists to be reimbursed under Medicare Part B for testing treatment. We saw a lot of this during COVID. Uh, they really stepped up to the plate. They talked and talking about COVID, flu, RSV, strep. Uh, Doug, I want to get your I want to get your perspective on this and the importance of this bill, and uh, then we'll kind of allude to the congressman on maybe where it's at right now. Yeah, this is an essential bill.
2: I mean, we've mm-hmm. got to get pharmacists paid for their services, um, getting paid. Really, there's our, NCPA's mantra is changing the pharmacy payment model. And there's two pillars to that. One is getting paid fairly for the prescription products. We've got to have, the, you know, get paid for the dispensing that we do in a fair and reasonable way. The second is to get paid for our services. And some of that's happening, but we need the federal government through Medicare, because Medicare is the, the biggest payer, to recognize pharmacists so that we can be fully recognized for the great work that we do. Pharmacists save billions of dollars of, health, of healthcare dollars throughout this country but we don't get recognized for the vast majority of that. And we can't continue to stay in business if we're not recognized for those services. So it's essential. Um, and, and plus it just makes, in my opinion, too much policy sense for it not to someday happen. Um, you know, we're, we're as, as Congressman said, we're accessible. Um, and as far as providing affordable quality care,
0: pharmacies mm-hmm. and pharmacists are the way to do it. So it's, it's gonna happen one of these days. <laughs> And Congressman, I would love to get your insight on what are the hang-ups, or is there any opposition to the bill or where where are we with the bill?
1: Well, first of all, Doug's correct. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's essential that we get this passed. And I think we proved that our profession proved that during the pandemic, we stepped up to the plate. And I'm so proud of my profession. And I I hear it at the Capitol all the time. I hear members, especially of the health subcommittee say, man, if it hadn't been for pharmacists, we'd have been in a mess during that pandemic. Vaccinations. testing, um, consultation. All the services that were offered proved our worth as if it needed proving, it didn't, but I think it solidified it. And I think that members of Congress realize now, yeah, they do need to be compensated. You know, the pharmacy students who are graduating now and who have graduated in in the recent past, uh, they are so clinically superior to what, to what it was when I was in school, which was back in the dark ages. But nevertheless, <laughs> um, the, the the clinical skills that they possess now, and think about it, um, you know, you got you, you. When we talk about accessibility in in pharmacy, then you, you've got to make sure that they the clinical skills and the clinical knowledge that the that we're providing for our patients uh, that we're compensated for. Now, I do believe that. Um, that, that we're on the upswing with this we mm-hmm. um, we've got quite a few sponsors to this the the challenge the obstacle is um, the financing for it you know it, it really shouldn't be that expensive in terms of in the federal budget but uh, you know it may be a couple of three billion dollars which you know people think oh my god that's a lot of money and it is a lot of money but in, in the context of the federal budget it's really not that hard for us to find that amount of money but we're going to have to find it in order to identify it and how we're going to get it, but I, I'm confident and I'm optimistic that we can do that.
0: And this has bipartisan support, you added, correct?
1: Absolutely. And and thank you for mentioning that because, look, um, we, we all want the same thing, as I say, whether you're a Republican a Democrat or an Independent, and we do have bipartisan support. And we work together in a bipartisan fashion, particularly on the Energy and Commerce Committee and the Health Subcommittee that I serve on. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the 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 making sure that pharmacists are reimbursed for their services and their their clinical skills that it's bipartisan, no question about that.
0: That's that's always great news.
2: Uh, anything you want to add, Doug? Yeah, to... Jason, can I just add that? You know, one we're the country has a primary care shortage. There's a shortage of primary care providers. And so pharmacists can help fill that gap. And so again, it makes sense. The second, and Congressman is probably too modest to to talk about this, but you know, to have a pharmacist in Congress, uh, he and Diana Harshbarger, but is so vitally important because we're still battling this image of pharmacists as counting pills, you know, just count, putting pills in bottles. That image is still out there. It's, which is
0: which is staggering, by the way, considering all that you did during the pandemic, correct? We're making progress on yeah. it. I mean, yeah, we're yeah. making progress,
2: but that mm-hmm. image is still out there. And so when they can actually talk to a, a real live breathing pharmacist in Congress, that makes all the difference in the world. And he can't say it himself probably because modesty <laughs> forbids, but it's so important that we have... Pharmacists in Congress, and and um, you know, if, if and when this bill—not if, but when this bill passes—it's going to be because people like Buddy Carter and, and Diana
0: Harshbarger laid the ground, and hopefully. Hopefully, they're at the bill signing. Yeah, Congressman, how does it feel to be not the only pharmacist in Congress now?
1: Well, <laughs> you know, I, I tell the story that uh, when I was the only pharmacist in Congress, one of my colleagues gave me the hashtag OPIC to mean only pharmacist in Congress. Of course, we have another one now who's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he, my colleague has told me I can keep that hashtag, but now it means oldest pharmacist. <laughs> Go figure. But if I could add just one thing real quick to sure. what Doug was saying. Um, And thank you for for those kind words, but it's really great also to represent a a profession that is so well respected. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I tell people all the time, I I went from practicing pharmacy, the second most respected profession in America, to being a member of Congress, the second least respected (laughs) profession in America. Thank God for used car sales.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look in the NCPA Digest, you see independent pharmacists is always in the top tier of most trusted professions. And so that can only follow the line into you know, sensible legislation. But going back to legislation, let's talk about among all the health uh, healthcare issues that are being discussed on the Hill, obviously PBM practices are top of mind. Uh, Several bills have been introduced and there's been a lot of committee activity in both chambers with bipartisan support in most cases wanting to further examine PBMs from top to bottom Uh, the entire chain most notably Can we get into a little bit of the 6b study that we were talking about today? I'll start with you Doug
2: Yeah, so the 6b study is by the Federal Trade Commission and it's something
0: they started just
2: over a year ago Mm -hmm. and we've applauded that the F for the FTC to take that step I mean there's a history with the FTC and pharmacy that's frankly not been a very pretty history you know FTC has really not been friendly to community pharmacy and they've been very friendly to PBMs over the years so for them to engage in a study to to look at PBM practices and and the list of things that they're looking at um, are exactly the places that they should be looking like discriminatory reimbursement, steering patients into their own pharmacies, and the list goes on and on, Mm -hmm. uh, is exactly the kind of thing that we applaud. Um, We just are anxious to see the results. Um, We we know it's going to take a little while, but uh, we're we're really eager to see how the investigation comes out.
0: Well, a little bit of good news that just happened yesterday. Doug, you want to kind of tell our listeners what happened there was a pretty interesting development from the FTC. Yeah, you know, it was it was great news from the FTC.
2: So again, FTC has been pretty friendly to PBMs uh, for the last 20, 30 years. And yesterday they voted to warn against prior advocacy statements and studies related to PBMs that are outdated and no longer reflect marketplace realities. So. My word, not theirs. They're somewhat disavowing <laughs> the the, the quote-unquote studies and reports that they've been pumping out for the last 15, 20 years. Absolutely, it's In, huge. Including one that just sets my hair on fire. Which, which you t- tore up on stage <laughs> today, which was amazing. Which was very gratifying. Which very gratifying. gratifying yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so, 2005, they issued a study. Um, the question was. Is there a conflict of interest in PBM-owned mail-order pharmacies? Which, of course, there is. (laughs) But FTC in 2005 said, no, there's no problem at all. It's just wonderful. Mm -hmm. And that study, like I said, set my hair on fire. That study, as of yesterday, no longer reflecting marketplace realities according to today's FTC. So it can't be thrown. I've had that study thrown in our face for (laughs) 18 years can't be thrown in our face anymore.
0: Yeah, and that got a huge applause from, from the audience <laughs> this morning. I think a lot of people were really just delighted to hear that. Uh, to you, Congressman, what do you think has led to this to this uh, PBM investigation momentum and, and where it's going?
1: Well, first of all, yesterday was big. Uh, yeah. That announcement, I think, was indicative of where it's going. And I think that the FTC has finally opened their eyes, and they've seen it. You know, when I became a member of Congress over eight and a half years ago, the first thing I did was to go to the FTC and ask them to look at the vertical integration that exists within the drug pricing chain, where you have the insurance company that owns PBM, that owns the pharmacy, that in many cases owns the doctor, that that's obviously a conflict of interest. Well, it took seven and a half years, but as Doug indicated, finally last year, they decided to, or, or agreed to do this study, and they have been doing it. Now, they have indicated to us that the, the final results may take a while, it may take two to five years. However, mm-hmm. as they progress and as they see egregious practices that they were, they're going to address them, I think yesterday was in, indicative of them seeing these egregious practices and, and how it's impacting, particularly because the study itself is the impact of PPMs on independent retail pharmacies. And again, as, as I was saying earlier, you know, we, we all want the same thing, accessibility, affordability, and quality in healthcare. You start taking away 4% of all the independent retail pharmacies every year, then accessibility going to, to healthcare is gonna become a problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and we alluded to how important independent pharmacies are to that accessibility, and if that starts going away, it's just gonna become a, a bigger problem as we go along. Uh, are there any other hurdles that you foresee with these bills at all?
1: Um, there is, is it just
0: a time thing, you think? or
1: I really feel like we have the momentum now. and oh, good. But we've got to seize upon the moment. We, we, mm-hmm. We've got to finish the drill, if you will, because uh, we've been close before. We, we came close with DIR fees during the Trump administration and mm-hmm. had it snatched out from underneath us. But uh, so we need to learn from that and understand that we have got to, we, we got to cross, we're in the red zone. Yeah. We got, we got
0: to score. We need that touchdown. Well, Doug, I'll, I'll get back to you here. And, and this really, I think, plays into pharmacists, independent pharmacists getting involved at both the, the state and their local levels. And, you know, can you allude to a little bit of how important that is, especially in this time, as Congressman alluded to, where we're in the red zone. How much do you feel independent pharmacists need to get active? Well, a lot of, again, a lot of credit goes to
2: the congressman mm-hmm. um, for helping uh, mem- other members of Congress have more awareness about pharmacy issues. But and, uh, another important development over the last several years is that pharmacists have been active, going to their member of Congress, explaining what's going on, explaining pharmacy DIRs, explaining PBMs. And, you know, one of the, I guess, jokes I, I make is that. A few years ago, on the hill, most members of Congress couldn 't even spell pbm <laughs> and, and Now you walk into an office and before the uh, one of our members can even say you know here 's what 's on my mind, that member of Congress is saying we 're going to get those pbms we 're going to do something about those PBMs. We know there's a problem with those pbms it 's been a hundred and eighty degree change in the in the awareness uh, on the hill, and i that 's you know again due to having uh, members of Congress who, who can talk the talk and walk the walk, like 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 Buddy and mm-hmm. Diana, but then also having our members talking to their their representatives and saying this is a problem, and I'm not going to be here to have that accessibility and to provide that affordability and quality that the Congressman's talking about, if something isn't done. Um, there's you know, I, I need your help, and I think the pandemic helped prove how important pharmacists are to the healthcare ecosystem.
0: Absolutely.
1: And and Doug's exactly right. It it has been because of the grassroots advocacy. Uh, uh, You know, I have people come up to me, members of Congress come up to me every day. I didn't know you were a pharmacist. I had a pharmacist in my office the other day and they were telling me you've got a bill that I need to get on or you've got a letter I need to sign on to. I'm gonna have my staff call your staff. And that's because a pharmacist has been in touch with that representative and explained to them and, and, you know, look, we're a citizen legislature. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, we've got pharmacists, we've got, uh, we've got preachers, we've got way too many lawyers. We've got, <laughs> yeah, but, but we are a citizen legislature. And when there's an issue, I, if there's an issue about new car sales, I go to the guys who are the new car salesmen. When there's an issue about uh, farming, I go to the farmer. And I say, hey, tell me about this. Explain this to me. Same thing happens with me. I have them come up to me all the time. And, and to Doug's point about um, spelling PBMs, you know, I remember the doctor's call because Diane and I both are. And I, it's such a gratifying feeling whenever we start talking about drug pricing now. And mm-hmm. I just sit back and they sing from the song sheet. I'm telling you, it's those PBMs. Those <laughs> men, they're the problem. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is great.
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, that gets into kind of the next level here of, you know, so we have everybody listening right now. What advice would you give the listening audience, either here at RBC or listening later in their car, wherever they may be, uh, for reaching out to their members of Congress and advocating for pbm reform, provider status or improving patients' access to care in their local communities and also at the state level? You said a pretty... uh, pretty inspiring thing when i was watching you on stage and it really comes down to simply education so what would be your advice?
1: No question about it. As I explained when we were on stage, um, you know, we're in next week and that'll be the last week um, before we take our typical August break. And we'll be out for five weeks. We'll be in the district. That's a perfect time. And I believe NCPA is, um, is, is heading up a, a, an effort in trying to get people to invite their members of Congress to, to their practice setting. We need to let them know and show them uh, the value that we bring to healthcare because we do bring value to healthcare and it's essential. And but they, you got to educate them; they got to know. Yeah. And especially if they can hear it from patients. Oh, that's strong now. If we can get patients. Oh yes, that, that was
0: the other thing you said about. I mean, it's one thing to hear it from a pharmacist because they're right. cause they're living it. They're yeah. they're in it. But when you hear it from a patient and how it gets down to affecting them, right. that's really the changer.
1: And my office uh, has put together a pamphlet. It's called Pulling Back the Curtains on PBMs. And its uh, we actually just took it to the streets and we let the patients tell their story. This is not my story. This is the patient's story about how PBMs and their practices have impacted them, had a direct impact on them where they haven't been able to get their medications or whether they've had to wait on their medications. So this is strong and, 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 and brings about a great message. But, again, the advocacy and the grassroots effort, that's the key.
0: Yeah. Doug, for, from your perspective, what other types of graph, grassroots momentum have you seen just from an NCPA's perspective? Well, the
2: um, pharmacy visits. I think mm-hmm. that's something that is really important where a member of Congress comes to the pharmacy, the pharmacy owner shows them, you know, gets them behind the counter. You get to go behind the counter where the magic happens Mm -hmm. and explains to them, you know, kind of shows them the life of a prescription, the prescription coming in, here's how it gets filled, here's the payment and here's how it affects the patient. So I think last year we had 60 pharmacy visits during the month of August and we're trying to do the same thing, calling it our month of action. And so people can go on our website and we'll, we'll help walk them through setting up a pharmacy visit with their member of congress the other thing that happens is there's pretty decent turnover every two years in yes, congress good point so when there's there's the education process never ever stops
0: that's a that's a really good that point that's something point. that i think we missed a little bit with that turnover rate it's a yeah it's an ongoing process
2: yeah i think there's 70 new members of congress something right. like that wow and this new congress um But just to underscore something the congressman said about the stories, Mm -hmm. you know, because as pharmacists, we want to talk AWP, smack, mac, whack, (laughs) and get into the the, Every acronym you can think of. Absolutely. (laughs) Now we've got MFP that we can talk about um, through the IRA. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think simplifying it into a story. And again, as the congressman said, if you can have a patient Mm -hmm. there to tell his or her story about how this PBM is impacting them and how important, from, so that's the negative, but also from a positive side, how important that pharmacy is in the life of that patient and their family. I, I think that's what they'll remember. That member of Congress Absolutely. is probably not gonna remember the smack, wha- smack whack, amp, you know, amp, but they'll remember the
1: stories. They do, they do, there's no question about it. The, the, that carries the weight and, and that makes the lasting impression.
0: No, I totally agree. So switching gears a little bit here, we've, we've kind of t- taken a deep dive into all things happening within legislative area, but I do want to just address the uh, pharmacy students. Now, we, we've kind of we've kind of alluded to the fact that there's been a little bit of a, of a drop in, in pharmacists, you know, coming out of school, less enrollments, but for anybody that's going to pharmacy school and wants to be a pharmacist and wants to help their community, what advice would you give to them coming out of uh, pharmacy school, especially, with the present momentum that we have right now that we think is, is, is coming for independent pharmacists. Doug, I'll start with you.
2: You know, we have students that rotate through um, at NCPA, and so I, I meet with with each of them. And, and a couple of things I tell them is, be, be choosy about where, you know, first of all, a pharmacist, but be choosy (laughs) about your first couple of jobs or your first job out of pharmacy school. Make sure you surround yourself by people who are optimistic or are positive. Mm -hmm. I know, so my dad was a pharmacist. He had five other pharmacists working for him. I didn't work for him immediately out of school. I worked for others. And I was very, very fortunate that the owner of the pharmacies I worked with was one of the most positive people that you'll ever find. And you know, he would let you experiment, let you try new things. He he encouraged that. Some of my classmates were in different work environments where they were they became very uh, disenchanted very quickly. And it was and I know they're great people and g- great pharmacists, but they were burned out within a couple of years, which I thought was sad. But I think it's important to be very choosy and surround yourself, especially in those first two or three years, mm-hmm. um, with, with folks who are positive and folks who really want to learn and grow because there's plenty of negative people out there in the world, too, and, and stay away from them,
0: you know, like, like the plague. Totally agree. Uh, Congressman, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of move it to you now because I know you had said earlier on in our conversation how you feel students coming out now from pharmacy school are a little bit more ahead than you know when you went to school and how they're a little bit more prepared but what advice would you give
1: well first of all i think the future's bright i think it's bright for our profession and you don't have to look any further than the very recent past and, and what how pharmacists stepped up to the plate during the pandemic and proved their worth. I am so proud of my profession. I really am. Mm-hmm. And and I hear this from members of Congress. I hear it particularly from healthcare professionals and doctors' caucus. Man, if it hadn't been for those pharmacists, we'd have been a mess. Uh, vaccinations, <laughs> uh, and testing, and, and consultation. That was so very important. So, you know, I, I, I do think that um, the future is bright, and, I, you know, I, I, I do agree. Pharmacists are so well-prepared now, particularly clinically, than, than what we were when I graduated way back when. But nevertheless, and, and there's so, so much you can do within pharmacy. It's so diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go into academia. You can go in hospital pharmacy, retail pharmacy, nuclear pharmacy, you, consulting pharmacy. You name it. And all within the same profession, but, you know, very different uh, practices. So I, I, would, uh, cons- I would really encourage um, pe- young people to look at pharmacy, first of all, and, and, and stick with it because it's worth it. I, I could not have chosen a better profession.
0: Well, the future looks bright, both legislatively and also for some future students, and that's always great news, especially in the environment we are here right at RBC 2023 in Boston. Well, I want to say thanks to U.S. Representative Buddy Carter and Doug Boy, NCPA CEO, for joining us on the show and for providing so much valuable information for our independent pharmacy listeners and here at RBC. Thanks for stopping by the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast here at RBC in Boston. Hope you're having a great rest of your week here. To all of you listening, thanks for subscribing to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. Please make sure you subscribe and download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and hope to see you on the next episode. Take care, everybody.